You're listening to the EFC Podcast. Shayla Visser is the National Director of Alpha Canada. If you're one of the very few people who don't know what Alpha is, imagine for a moment a weekly gathering with great food where you watch lively, compelling videos that explore faith, and then you get to have a conversation where you can say or ask anything about faith, life, and God. Alpha is in 101 countries around the world, including, of course, Canada. Alpha Canada has just released Life Shared, a set of free resources to help encourage Christians to invite neighbors and friends to discover Jesus, and yes, quite likely through Alpha. Shayla and I talked about the new program, but also about what makes Alpha so great and what church people do that can make it, well, not so great. I'm Karen Stiller, and we hope you enjoy this chat. Shayla, what exactly is Life Shared? You know, Life Shared is an opportunity that we've taken after listening to the church across our nation, across all the church traditions. Um, we learned from them that most churches today in our country are having a difficulty engaging their congregation to share their life with others in their community or even in their families. And when we say share life shared, what we're really doing is coming alongside the church and saying, you've asked for a resource that would help you to equip people in your congregations or in your parish to reach out and impact and invite them into something. It may not be alpha, but something in the church. And our research, both globally and in Canada, has told us that 80% of people that come on alpha come because someone personally invited them. And so we want to focus on the simplicity of inviting one person to Alpha or one person to church or one person to consider the claims of Christ in your community. Uh, this fall, we're doing a specific Life Shared media campaign that many people uh, might have seen through social media, really trying to encourage Christians to, to take a step of faith and invite people to consider sharing their faith with someone else. And we think evangelism is quite complicated. I think the average Christian thinks it's quite complicated, but actually it's invitation. And so we're trying to encourage that in our nation. And so we've put together both a curriculum that's life shared for small groups, but also a media campaign for Christians saying, what would it take for you to invite one person from your work or in your family to come to Alpha or something in the church that would help them engage with faith issues? Uh, so I like that you're saying or something, because I definitely assumed that this was um, about inviting people to Alpha, but you're saying it can be used for any event or program that you might be having at your church. Yeah, so our Life Shared Media videos that are out right now are about inviting someone to Alpha. They're during our highest uptake of Alpha, which is in September at churches across the country. And so we're trying to encourage Christians to say, hey, take a step and invite. But our Life Shared series, which is our three-part video series, is really intended for any small group who's considering, okay, how do we actually impact our community with the gospel? And so that can be used pre-alpha or pre your Christmas services or pre an Easter service or pre some sort of a community engagement to think about how do we actually share our lives with people or that we come into contact with daily. So why are we so afraid to do this? I know if I think of myself inviting someone to alpha even, I do feel nervous about it. I think I'm afraid it's going to be embarrassing or they're going to get the wrong idea about me. Is that what you're hearing from people? 
Well, I just have to say, Karen, I run an evangelistic organization and I have the same fears that I think most people do. So I think it's, some people are apathetic, right? They just are like, okay, if I'm going to engage with people, you know, all these fear things come up, but also it's the fear of being ostracized or just getting it wrong, right? Not having the right answer or we're increasingly hearing from particularly the younger generation, well, if I do this, you know, people in their 20s, if I do this, my friends are going to reject me or they're going to write me off as being stupid or whatever. So a lot of people are taking an apathetic stance, not because they don't think Jesus is the answer, but because they're not sure how to communicate it and fear gets in the way. I think also there's a bit of an elitist attitude that um, if we haven't been trained in apologetics, if we don't have the right answer to skeptics, then we don't feel we can participate in it. And so it's been handed to a minority of people in the church versus the majority, which are just saying, hey, I'm inviting someone to have a conversation. So I think fear and elitism has also impacted us. And then I would think that we, we've also seen that there's a disembodied perspective that a lot of Christians have, that it's an individualistic pursuit, which means it's simply my personal faith. And I don't actually need to be engaged in evangelism because it's about what I believe, you believe, whatever you'd like. And in a world you know, with technology where people have increasingly disembodied relationships, where they engage with people primarily or even solely through a screen and where answers are given by an algorithm or answers are given by people just based on, hey, I think this, you find that there's a disembodied church as well. I'm not saying it's typical, but that's also one of the problems that plays into evangelism in our country. Keep going with that, Shayla, if you can. Help me understand the disembodied church. I think, and I don't want to say this is true of every church, but I think it's it's true particularly the younger generations, but it, it's certainly true of my generation, I'm in my 40s, that would be thinking about faith you know, it's my relationship with God. They don't think in our and we language. And so faith has become individual pursuits. So it's about me and God. And whatever you do with God is okay, because I'm doing my thing. And then because we don't often offer places for people from outside the faith to come in and explore with freedom and conversation, Uh, And we don't invite people into that. We don't also have an experience of what does it mean to have a conversation with someone who believes differently than I am in a very loving, kind, welcoming place. So I think that we're we're facing a few different things. One is faith is individualistic. But the second thing is that we are doing a lot of relating on screens these days and not in person. So this idea of... um providing a place where people can come and ask whatever questions they have and are free to disagree and say what they really think, I know is very important to Alpha and in the Alpha program. I think that that's really hard for, um, like if I'm picturing the Alpha format, so I'm, I'm, we've watched the video, I'm at, at the small table with a small group and someone says something, you know, really kind of out of left field or that's not doctrinally correct, say, 
um, the idea in Alpha, if I understand, is that we don't like argue back and you know wrestle them into submission. Um, how hard is that for the average Christian to just kind of be? It's extraordinarily difficult. I can't underline that enough. I think one of the reasons that Alpha doesn't do as well in churches is because the wrong people are running a small group and they're not facilitating. They're feeling like, let me correct you in what you're saying so that you would know what you're saying is either ridiculous or nonsensical or doesn't have history and facts behind it. And so it's a real problem for Christians that have been trained, let's say, in apologetics. Or when you get a pastor in a small group who's done his theology and he's like, this is crazy. You just said Jesus was an alien. And I think that's the reality of what's happening in the world today. It's becoming more and more secular that people have no concept of who Jesus is. And so when the small group facilitator answers a question, it just ruins the conversation. I would say a second thing to that is I think we've forgotten that the Holy Spirit is the great evangelizer and we are joining the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's already doing in another person's life. Therefore, if we've forgotten that, we feel like if we don't correct someone, well, then we failed God. And I think we have to back away from that, repent of that, and realize, sure, there's times where we we can, but I think there's a lack of trust happening in lots of cases. They feel like if I don't correct this person, they'll go away thinking something really off theologically. And the point is to help them understand who Jesus is, not to convince them of good or bad theology. That'll get worked out. (laughs) What kind of listener or what kind of a person, if I can say it that way, makes for a good alpha small group leader then? Um, Obviously, they need to be able to listen. The best small group leader is really someone who's come off alpha sometime in the last two years. They've come as a guest. Their faith comes alive. They come back as a helper in the small group. And then they bec- after they've had some training and some time with other Christians, then making them the small group leader is actually hugely helpful. Why? Because they don't have the answers and they know it. They're like, oh, all I have to say is, what do you think? How did that make you feel? And you give me a couple other questions. All I have to do is pray and love and welcome. Okay, I can do that. But the people that come in as small group leaders are often the people that think, oh, I'd love to do this. I've got some great answers to questions. (laughs) So we always say, and I think this is the best test, and Karen, you'd probably appreciate this too. If your small group host, the leader in your small group, is not someone that you would trust your best friend to, your best friend who doesn't know Jesus, who has no faith, who you've been praying for for 10 years, finally says yes to coming on Alpha, and then you put them in this small group. Do you feel comfortable or are you worried? Yeah. And that should be the litmus test. And if I feel like, oh, I'm so grateful that they're in that small group with that facilitator, then you know you've got the right people. Yeah, that's good. Well, I I would not have guessed that you were going to say somebody who had sort of just come out of Alpha the previous two years. So that's really interesting to me. Um, in my own experience, uh, attending Alpha and being parts of uh, churches that host Alpha, um, I I think church church people love Alpha. <laughs> and I'm wondering if they, you know, 
what it is about Alpha that um, is so attractive to well-established Christians. And I'm I'm thinking like a dinner out with friends and community must be part of it. But whenever I go to Alpha, there are people there who I think, well, you you know all this stuff. You're just kind of hanging around. Is that part of the Alpha vibe? That is part of the Alpha problem. <laughs> <laughs> Is And I've spoken to so many churches across the country where um, Christians have really felt like this is my ministry, right? And so they've stayed on the Alpha team for 20 years. And they don't realize that they need to get out of the way to allow guests that become helpers, that become hosts, to run an Alpha. Like you, sh- your Alpha team should be changing all the time because you're getting in new people who have just come to faith or who are still searching and they come back on your team. So I'd say on the team side, that should be evolving all the time. In terms of guests on Alpha, whenever Christians come on Alpha, I think it can be used brilliantly. And I know a number of churches in the country that do this. Hey, you're new to our church. Even if you've been a Christian for 20 years, come on Alpha because they sort of want everybody to have the same experience of Alpha so they know they can invite a friend, they trust it to be a place where they can invite a friend, but it's also a place where they they make sure that the people that are new to their church are get make sure they have grounding in the basics of Christian faith. But what they don't let them do is stay on. If you have someone that's come to Alpha as a Christian who has, you know, been a Christian for a few years, they've already got the basics. If they've been through more than once, we always suggest try to get them into another small group in the church. This is not a place for Christians to come and congregate. Okay, interesting. Well, tell us more about some of the best practices. I know you've, uh, I don't know if this is new material, but I saw on your website that you have seven best practices. What are the ones that really are the top ones for you, Shayla? I would say prayer is always the top from the very start. I think in the midst of preparing for Alpha, you get busy with the doing. And I think we've forgotten that prayer is actually uh, the engine room for all evangelistic effort. And so we want to really underline prayer. I think we've talked about just in this conversation about how it's evangelistically positioned. So we won't talk about that um, in any more detail, but I will say that time away is another one. So prayer and time away are two of the seven best practices that I would highlight. And time away meaning doing the alpha weekend, going away, and creating a space for people to get out of their regular context and have tons of fun while building deeper friendships. And on this alpha weekend, we explore and experience the Holy Spirit for themselves in a time of prayer ministry. And prayer ministry for us is simply the act of serving people through prayer. It's not complicated. We just pray at the very end of the alpha weekend, you know, come Holy Spirit. And people often get a bit nervous, like what will happen? And I say, well, two things happen, but they have a similar outward expression. The two things that typically happen on Alpha Weekend are tears and tears. And what we mean by that is tears that someone who isn't a Christian, who's come to this Alpha Weekend, who is very skeptical, decides to take a risk and pray for the first time invites the Holy Spirit to come and the Holy Spirit comes. And what does the Holy Spirit do? 
We know from the, the word of God that the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. And for the first time, they actually see themselves in light of needing a savior. And it's a supernatural occurrence. They didn't feel that way an hour before then. So it's really interesting to see that the guests come on and have an experience of tears or the other expression, tears. And this one happens more often than not. I have experienced the love of God. There is a God because I just had an experience of God telling me in some form, whether they feel it physically or emotionally, they say, God loves me. Oh my goodness, God loves me. And you see tears of joy. And so the Alpha Weekend, all of our stats around the world say the vast majority of people that come to faith come to faith on an Alpha Weekend. And so when churches decide to skip this time away, I think you've missed the beauty of all that Alpha has to offer if you miss that part. Yeah, there is something about being away on a retreat that is so special and uh, provides such space for the Holy Spirit to do work and people just to love each other too. That's right. Sheila, I'd love to know, uh, through your years leading Alpha Canada, I have this idea that you have probably one of the coolest jobs in uh, Canada because you, <laughs> I'm assuming you're hearing wonderful stories all the time. And I'm wondering how your work in ministry has impacted your faith. Well, I will just say that I have always been a glass half full person, but I'm a glass three quarters full now. And I will tell you, it's because we get so many stories, we get to meet with church leaders, and I know it's tough out on the ground. I know that most church leaders are wringing their hands and saying, how can we reach our community? What can I do to get the people in the congregation to uh, reach out? I mean, there's lots of work to be done. But then when you hear the stories, and particularly the teenagers in our country, honestly, Karen, if you could hear the stories of what's happening in our nation where youth leaders in cities are coming together across all the church traditions, Catholic, Pentecostal, United, uh, Anglican, Baptist, Alliance are coming together, these youth leaders, volunteers or paid staff, and are saying, how can we equip our teens to actually make a difference in their school or with their peers in high school. And the number that are doing it is extraordinary. And so I think what it's done for my faith is made me realize how much we need to call out of people the gifts, the faith, the talent that God's already placed on them from a very young age and invite them to actually go and do the work of evangelism. And I think the teens are doing it. And so I'm super encouraged. And uh, I I could tell a couple stories just uh, off the cuff here. One is of a grade nine girl, Pentecostal, who said to her youth leader, I want to run Alpha in in my school for my friends. And I can get permission, you know, teacher, sponsor, et cetera. I'd like to invite some friends. And She said, but I don't know another Christian to be on my team to help me to do this because you can't do it. It's not a solo sport. And so she started praying and connected with two other girls in her class, one who's a Catholic and one who's an Anglican. And they started praying and agreed that they would run it together. And they prayed that there would be 10 girls from their class. This is grade nine girls, 10 girls that would come. They had 40 come. Wow. And I just think, you know, these young people are so brave, Karen. You know, as so many people look to the younger generations and think, oh, it's hopeless. 
There's not a lot of good happening. And we see the exact opposite. And I think sometimes in leadership, you can see all the problems. But I just want to go out there and spot all the wonderful things are happening. Because at the end of the day, everybody needs encouragement. Everybody needs hope. And so my faith has been really encouraged by these young people. And I think, God, if I could be as brave as they are, if I could have as much faith as they do, because I think high school is one of the most difficult times in life to feel confident, to stand out from the crowd and say, this is who I am. I'm a Christian and I want to share my faith with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is super encouraging. Shayla, where can people find out about Life Shared? They can find out anything about Alpha Canada uh, is available on our website and the resources are all free. But if they're interested in the Life Shared series, it's just lifesharedseries.com. And you can go there. And again, we've produced this resource for free. You can see um, a trailer there or you can download the series. We've got previews of the series. They feature John Tyson from New York City. Uh, Danielle Strickland, who's from Toronto, and Jay Pathak, who's from Denver. And uh, it's just a remarkable series in churches. The feedback we're getting is fabulous on how they can use it to help their people in their congregations. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Shayla. Karen, thank you for having me today. We're here to serve the church. So if we can do anything to serve those that are listening, please let us know. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.theefc.ca forward slash faith today.